I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. You wanted more? Here's season four of the, the Connor and Smith Show. Well done. Well done. That was completely improvised. I could tell. Yeah. That's awesome. Which part did you like? Uh, the that, end. The finale. <laughs> the end of it. The, uh... Anyways, if you would like me to create a jingle for your podcast, <laughs> <laughs> let me know because I, I, I feel like I have many jingles. Well, you do. In you me. do. Stephen, go ahead. Well, tonight we are speaking to Jackie Piro Donovan. Uh, we have worked with Jackie at Signature and uh, been friends with her for a long time and it was great to catch up. She has her own studio. Broadway Pro Voice. Broadway Pro Voice. Oh, I shouldn't do a jingle for her because she's going to be like, that's bad. She might even have one already. She probably does. Well, we're going to take a break and we will be right back. Hello? Hello, Jackie? Hello? Hello! Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Jackie. How are you? (laughs) I am doing well. I am sitting here with my co-host and husband, Matt Connor. Hey, 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 hey! (laughs) Hi, baby. You guys are my first podcast. For real? Yeah, for real. Well, it's going to be a good one. Um, We're also joined by our producer, Ryan Dean Halbrook. Say hi, Ryan. Hey, Jackie, what's going on? Oh, not much. Hi, how are you? I am well. Ryan is our gelman. Um, He tells Kathy Lee and Regis, you know, when to (laughs) move along. When to move along. I think it's Kelly and Ryan now, but whatever. Yeah. Oh, I like to live in the past. I, I, yeah, I I actually understand Kathy Lee and Regis more than I understand anybody else. <laughs> Should we just jump right in with Kathy Lee? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, Jackie, we're going to talk about everything tonight. But me and Steven did take a little car trip to New York City back in, you probably know the year, and we did watch... In the freaking amazing Zipper Theater under under the bridge. And I still remember what kind of mother am I? What kind of mother am I? (laughs) And the sausage dance. Oh, my God. I forgot about the sausage dance. How could you forget about the sausage? Is the zipper still around? I don't think so. I think that it, it didn't last very long, which is kind of sad. Um, it was a cute, interesting little theater, but I think that it, um, I don't know. I actually don't try to think of what there is there right now. And I can't think of what is there. Didn't, um, Jacques Brel play there a lot there towards the end? I think that was the triad. Oh, well, what do I know? I don't (laughs) either. Jackie, are you joining us tonight from the New York City? I am, I live about 23 miles south 
west of New York City. Okay. So I now have an actual house with two really annoying dogs <laughs> that I'm sure will make themselves known before too long. Well, we have the same issue with our two annoying dogs. <laughs> um, one of them's right here. I'm sitting where I teach all the time and he always comes over and he just sits down right where I am, which is really awesome. Um, but yeah, we... Uh, Geez, we moved out of the actual city in 2005 and we had, we moved like 19 miles from the city. And then we just moved a little further in 2011. No, sorry. 2009. We've been here since 2009. Wow. Yeah. And we've, uh, we're on our last renovation of gotta be of the house because we bought a house that needed everything and we've been slowly doing it which i do not recommend it's a pain but um so but pete is um geez since i've talked to you guys like in 2013 2014 i was on the road again with andrew lloyd weber's version of uh wizard of oz and i was playing the green lady and um that 2014 that I was still on the road Pete got a heads job at Chicago so he was the head electrician for the Schubert's at the ambassador and about four years ago they moved him over to the majestic so he is now work you know works for the Schubert's has 10 guys on his payroll over at Phantom so it's he doesn't work for Phantom he works for the Schubert's it's interesting. So many people don't um, understand the difference, but the show itself has a head carpenter, a head electrician, and head props. Um, and then the theater has its own heads. So their job is, you know, they still work on the show, but their job, their main concern is the actual house. So that's what he's been doing. So he trucks his butt in from here um, every day. Of course, he did not during the pandemic, <laughs> but... Um, you know, we still have to live close enough to uh, be able to get into the city. So the Schuberts are the homeowners association. Correct. In charge they, of everything outside of or whatever the, the uh, facade of stuff and the renters and the people living there is the show. Yes. So it, this, it's the Schuberts own, I think, 16 theaters on Broadway. That's like that's nearly half the theaters is the Schubert organization. And Every one of those theaters has a head electrician, head props, and a head carpenter. And like Pete says, well, whatever happens with the show, I come with the bricks. He says that all the time, which makes me laugh. But it's true. It's kind of like, you know, working for the landlord and and having, you know, his priority is making sure that their theater is operational and safe and all of that. And then uh, I believe if I'm not mistaken i'm pretty sure i'm right he can only have 10 minutes of cues on the show because like i said if there's a fire or something it is his responsibility to take care of the theater so you can't really tie him up with the show although right. he, he does and then there's this very weird division of labor with between um the guys that are on his payroll there are 10 guys that are local one stagehands that are on his payroll because it's such an old show, 
there's still that like litany of electricians where now they don't hire that many, but um, it's kind of fascinating. It's sort of like the same thing when you're on the road and you have like the crew that's with you. Those are the guys that work for the show. And every time you go into a new house, those are the guys that come with the theater and they learn the show quickly. So it's the same kind of concept. Um, but it's, it's, I don't know. It's something that, um, a lot of people just don't, don't totally understand, but they don't talk about it. You know, like us actors talk about everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so fascinating. I just read a book. I'm not, I was never really a reader, but I have kind of become a reader during the pandemic because I forced myself to start reading, but I was reading a book about the making of Follies. Oh, what yeah. was the book called? CD? Everything was possible. Everything was possible. Yeah, and literally, I, I, it was like such a dream to read the book because it felt like the insiders' club a little bit because you know the the show business lingo and shorthand and different things for stuff the way you talk about things. Yeah, uh, was just so present of, of like, oh my god, I feel like I'm really here watching filings being put together. Oh man, that is so cool. Um, you just mentioned that you were sitting in your studio. Well, let's talk a little bit about your studio. Okay, so, um. Oh, this is interesting. So, you know, I'm trying to figure out where to start. So, uh, okay. So musical theater in general, musical theater is not like incredibly kind to us as we get older, but in even, I think maybe even more so slightly to women, but I, um, coupled, coupled with that, I'll start there coupled with that. My, uh, I think when we worked together, Stephen, that was 2003, I was much more willing to go places to do jobs. And over the course of getting older and older, my, um, my like list of what I have to do or have to have to go somewhere to do a job has gotten smaller and smaller. Like, eh, I really, I don't want to go away that long and I don't want to, you know, it's just, I still love working, but it just becomes, it becomes like a kind of like a needle in a haystack to, to get the job that you actually really want to leave home for or something like that. So early, like years ago, probably, hmm. Let's see, the pandemic's been going on for two years, which is frightening, and three years before that. So five years ago, I, um, oh, geez, this is so fascinating. I was at the town pool. There's a town pool in my town, and I like to swim. I was at the town pool, and I was having a really bad day, and I was like, I'm so over this. I don't have kids. I don't know people. What am I doing out here? And I tend to just kind of be too much like a New Yorker and I don't talk to people. So I get out of the pool and this woman says to me, says something to me and I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And she asks me a question and I politely answer her question and then I walk away. And I'm thinking, oh, this is so stupid that I'm walking away, Jackie. Oh my God, turn around and go talk to the person. You are like beyond, you know, you're never going to get to know somebody if you don't talk to them. So I turn around and I go back over and she and I start talking of all things pol politics. And she is as liberal as I am. I, I hope that your viewers are not going to crucify me for. Oh, God, no. no. <laughs> but really, quite frankly, she and I, she's Asian and she and I start to, you know, hack apart Trump. And um, we became friendly. She said something about her daughter 
And I said, oh, you know, yeah, I was working on Broadway. And, you know, she's like, what? And so we sort of talk about it. She's like, wait, really? Really? That's what you do? I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's not really a big deal. And she's like, of course, it's a big deal. And her daughter comes over and I find out that her daughter is part of a studio. Like I am not, I know nothing about the studio scene. The studio scene of children where they're like in the studio and they sign contracts to be part of the performing arts studio. And I'm like, what? Okay. So we have this conversation. I go home. She and I text a bit. And about a month later, Kurt Dominey, who I'd done cats with, she, he used to teach at the studio and she and he were talking about me. And at the same time, this woman, Renee and Julie, they're both ex-dancers from um, like touring. Uh, they were looking for a voice teacher and um, her, uh, Shirley texts me and she's like, oh my God, you have to talk to them. And it's where Sarah's going to school and you have to talk to them, blah, blah, blah. So I reach out, I meet up with Renee and I'm like, okay, well, here's the deal. Like, yeah, I can sing. Um, I'm... I don't really play the piano very well. Um, and I'm not really sure I can describe how I sing, but I'm definitely down for trying to figure it out. <laughs> and they, they were lovely. They were, they were lovely women. And they have this whole, every kid that is part of company has to take a half hour voice lesson a week. So I was doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays for four hours a day, which it's hard because you just sit there and a kid comes in and a kid leaves and a kid comes in and a kid leaves. And it's very, you know, it's hard to, for me, it's hard to take time from the kids because I have bleeding hearts for them, you know? So I, I started doing that for about three years and then the pandemic happened. And during the very beginning of the pandemic, I kept saying to them, you guys, we got to go online. We have to teach online. I, I, can't stop a child from walking in the room and hugging me. I just can't do it. I don't have it in me. So um, they started to do that. We started, I started learning Zoom. I started learning how, how I would, you know, effectively teach these kids online. And by this point, I was doing well with teaching, like, which is pretty much my own uh, way of singing that I have come up with that I've never really been able to put into words. But over this course of time, I have figured that out. So I, I started doing it a lot. I then found that on Zoom, I was actually doing better because all the focus of like all the stuff around me was gone. I was just staring at the child's face pretty much and their body, their torso. Um, so I'm like, oh my God, I can see your tongue and I can see what you're doing with your jaw. And I can see because they're like right in my face on the computer. So I, I really um, was surprised at how much I liked that, that I, you know, cause of course you don't want to get right up into a kid's face these days anyway, or be, you know, touching their bodies. You can't really do that. So I, I really enjoyed it on Zoom. Then about a year, geez, like almost a year and a half ago, they didn't want to do as much online. And they were trying to figure out how they were going to do like, oh, geez, you know, like um, those glass, uh, plexiglass screens. And, and I was just like, uh, guys, I, I just, that does not work. That really doesn't work for me. It's 
just too frightening a uh, a slippery slope where there's no vaccine yet. And um, I was not down with doing that. I don't think they inevitably did, but it, uh, and, and as I just said about my husband, um, he is the person that makes the majority of the money in our family. He has a, you know, for all intensive purposes, he has a government job on Broadway. So um, his job, like, it's like being married to a lawyer and then having uh, the law disappear is how I was describing it to people. So, you know, we don't, we don't have a, how do I put it? We don't have a, um, like we haven't gone overboard with, you know, how much money we spend, um, in life, but we have a house and, uh, we own our cars, but things like that. We're still, I'm still an actor, you know, we're also bred to not spend a lot of money, but, but we do have a life that is based on his salary. So once his salary just vanished into thin air, I was like, and so many people were like, oh, no, 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 they're still paying him. I'm like, that's, that's funny. That's really funny. Um, once it just sort of vanished, because of course they couldn't pay them. They couldn't pay anybody. They were, they're all like bleeding and, and losing money. And so once that happened, I turned to him and I was like, I've got to get on my game. I need to, I really need to make a company. Before I did that, I had started talking to a friend of mine that's at Casa Manana and I ran a, I created a program for him, for his kids. And we did that for a month. And at the same time, I was starting to create my own business. It was actually uh, my friend. I don't know if you guys remember Sarah Uriarty. She was a mm -hmm. Broadway person, right? Yep. She's married to Michael Berry, who Michael is a um, film director now, which is just wild. And my, I had tapped Michael to do a film class for Casa. And he was like, Jack, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? He goes, why aren't you doing this yourself? I said, oh, I can't do this myself. I don't know what you're talking about. So it was after he sort of said that and we did the whole month long thing that I was like, oh, you know, I guess I can. So I was talking to a friend of mine that I've known for 35 years from Les Mis. And he was like, you just need to, you need to have a company. It has to say Broadway. It has to be like Broadway voice or, or voice of Broadway or, or like pro, oops, sorry, pro voice or something like that. And then he goes, Broadway pro voice. That's what you should do. Your company should be called Broadway Pro Voice. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I I called like the accountant and said, uh, how do I do this? And she put me in touch with somebody to create an LLC. And I created a company called Broadway Pro Voice LLC. And then I started to, at nauseum, watch kids sing on Instagram. So I, I just... Um, that was the easiest. This was before everybody on Broadway had decided that they needed to teach. This was like the pandemic happened, you know, in March. This was probably the beginning of June that I started realizing that I really needed to do something much more aggressive to keep us afloat. So I started watching all these kids on Instagram. I started finding the kids that I felt that I could really help and then that I could mentor, that I could help, that I could teach. 
And then I started to, I contacted somebody about a website and that was really funny. You guys will appreciate trying to, with how old I am, trying to um, go through all the photographs of my life in theater. And, you know, Michael Berry was helping me with that. And he's like, dude, don't you have anything in high resolution? I'm like, no, because I'm old. <laughs> so trying to buy a scanner and scan them in as high resolution as possible, trying to take the cassette tapes I have of Les Mis and Secret Garden and Big and Miss Saigon from the sound console and, and turn them into digital format um, so people could hear me sing, creating like sound accounts. I can't even remember what that's called, you guys. There's a so a YouTube channel, like all of this, so overwhelming because uh, for the longest time I've been like, eh, I don't need a website. Like why? I, you know, I kind of do social media. What do I need with all doing this? And then I was like, oh gosh, I really do need this. It's clear that that's got to happen. So Pete and I spent the money to have somebody build it, which was really great. They ended up doing this really cool thing where they made like playbills and put my photograph on the playbill of each different show. So you can click on a playbill of me as like Miss Saigon, and then you can see the photos I have, or if I have video, if I have audio, stuff like that. So it's a really great calling card. We're then looking at we it are, right We're looking at oh, it right are. now. <laughs> it looks amazing. And I love the pictures at the top that just keep basically yeah. sort of reinforcing all yeah. the different beautiful characters that you play. Aren't they fun? I think there's a Nevermore one in there, babe. There is. We saw the Nevermore. We saw the one of, I think, maybe Matt and you in 110. Oh, yeah. 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 Because, Jackie, you were the only person in the world to, am I saying this right, to play Cosette and Fontaine? Yeah, in the original company of, of Les Mis on Broadway. I mean, that's, that's kind of incredible, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... We, I, I don't even talk about Les Mis because you have more to talk about. But me and Stephen did Les Mis once at the Signature Theater. And, and as you know, there is some, I mean, Les Mis, when you are in it, it, you already, you already are kind of in this successful, beautiful, melodic show. And every night you get kind of high doing it. Yeah, that's true. Um, every song, every, the story is so epic and you being uh, both of those characters, I'm sure um, was such a um, an interesting thing on two different uh, sides of the coin, you know? Yeah, totally. It was, I mean, I was truly lucky. It's a really amazing piece of theater. Now, are, I you, think are you like those um, people that graduate from, um, um, who's the people that just have numbers? Wait, oh, what do you mean? That's, uh, that was, uh, it was, it's not Carnegie Mellon. No, it was Juilliard. Juilliard. Is it Juilliard that has numbers and they say, oh, we're 85? We're 424. Class 35 or whatever. This, oh, my God, that, no. I've doesn't Les Mis have like a number system? Like, oh, no, I, we, were, we were cast number four. Oh, wow. No, there's a, uh, with the long running shows, they always name them like Phantom has it too. They name them sometimes after characters. So um lame Miz, the the tour that i originated on was the marius company oh. the, um the san francisco company was also the second national tour that came from los angeles and if i remember correctly that one was the fontaine company um like the tour i did of saigon was called the engineer company 
So it was always like, oh my God, were you on engineer? Yeah. Like Phantom used to name them the music box company. The, what was one of the other ones? I think one was called the Raul company, but I remember the, one of the tours really that my ex-husband was almost the music box company, but it's, um, I've never heard it done with numbers. I've, I've heard it done with the characters or things in the show. You know, that's the coolest. I mean, I think that, um, uh, it's so interesting. Pete just said to me the other day, oh, gosh, I could go on forever. Um, he just said the other day, like, how, how long until like everything you've done, um, doesn't entice the kids anymore. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, because I keep turning down stuff, that's the discussion that we've been having. So this whole, like the whole thing about creating the company and then finding the students. So I probably wrote to, gosh, I don't know, like a hundred students. And I ended up like, I have like 50 or so now that I teach. And um, I started to get too many students. So Sarah Litzinger, who's, um, you guys remember Sarah, she mm -hmm. came down to the signature my best friend. She, um, she's teaching for me and um, Burke Moses is teaching acting for me. And we together have sort of become like a little Broadway pro voice trio. And we, you know, like if I can't deal, if I can't, um, get through to a student or if they're prepping for college or something, I usually throw them over to Burke and I call Burke and I say, Hey, this one's doing this and this, and I'm having trouble with this. And can you deal with this? And then he's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. And because he just speaks and does everything very differently than I do. And Sarah is sort of in the middle of us. Sarah and I are both cheerleaders. Burke's more like a hammer a little <laughs> bit. And then, and, but that's good. And then Sarah with, acting sort of vacillates between how I teach and how Birch, Burke teaches. So that whole thing really works well. Then we, I always add on top of it, like different master classes, like Jen Smart and, and Kayla Settle did one for me a year ago at Christmas. And we did like a, a whole day of power housing. And then last summer I created something for Sacramento music circus. And we did a week, a week long thing where I just, you know, basically I'm old. I called all my friends and I was like, you know, Hey, Danny Burstein. I'm like, Hey Danny, can you do like an hour talk back for me at this masterclass and just talk about your career? He's like, yeah, sure. Like and a bunch of dancers taught original choreography from thing, um, shows. Um, and then Burke and Sarah and I did like the, the basics of acting and voice and acting through song. Um, then we had stage managers and we just, it was great. It was really great. And now, um, now I'm so in, I'm so involved with it that, you know, I usually teach like, Oh God, I don't know, like at least by two o'clock in the afternoon, usually like one or one thirty, And I try to step, get up for dinner. And I usually teach until like eight 30 at night and it's a lot, but it's, um, it's really great when you are able to take like every single thing that's in your brain and pass it along to these students. I mean, I have some, some youngsters, like some like 11 year olds that are just like amazing. And then I have kids that are trying to get into college. I have kids that are in college and then I have uh, students that are starting in their careers, you know, but just like all the, you know, all the stuff, all the stuff that holds resonance in our heads 
but just you never think that it's there. All that, all that stuff where like I had an hour session yesterday with a, a girl who I just love and she's playing the lead in on the 20th century at college. And I was talking to her about all these different things. And I was like, well, are you wearing your shoes? And, and are, are they getting you something to wear um, with the train? And where are you putting the mic pack? And she's like, wait, what? I'm like, right. Okay. So we need to start over. <laughs> you know, but I, I'm, remember at Signature, like that idea, and you guys are the same, that idea of being really proactive so that you can control as much as you can off stage and know what you're doing and know how your changes are and know all of those things and not leaving it up to somebody else to magically do it for you. To so fix- like, for example, like putting a water bottle with a straw through a slab <laughs> of the back of a set which is what Jackie did during One Ten in the Shade to get water because she hardly ever left the stage. Oh my God. And it was a drought. It's not like there were like pitchers of water sitting around, you know? Yeah. So she had to like go emo, like lean against the wall when she was really just sipping water. Oh God, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's like you learn when you're in the business for so long, you learn that it's, you know, yes, there's lots of people to help you, but leaving things up to other people being expecting, well, it's your job. You have to figure that out is really to me, just a way of like, um, setting yourself up for disaster, because if you really need something, then you really need to make it happen so that you can get on stage and do your jobs. This, this girl, um, I was saying to her here, she was talking about anxiety and I was saying, well, here's the deal. Nothing creates anxiety more than having a costume change be bad, having a shoe break, having your mic go out, having like all the things that can happen that people never think about. They're only thinking about the best case scenario of how they can connect to the material on stage. And I was saying to her, really, if you can sit down, and really sketch through the show how where your costume changes are. When you start doing run-throughs and you come off stage, don't just sit there. Be, act like you are doing what you're doing. Okay, like right now, right, I'm, I'm, oh wait, I'm, I have to cross over here. I'm going to change into this costume now. Yeah, I said visualize it so that you can feel like you've done it a lot by the time you get there because you don't have a ton of time. And if you are not taking a ton of energy off stage doing that stuff, then you can be focused on stage and do your job as well as you possibly can instead of like spinning out of control because so many things can happen. And then you're on stage and you're like, oh my God, what's going on? And that, that to me is, is, you know, all of us being older, <laughs> you know, it's, it's that thing that you just, after time, you it becomes part of it. The backstage is just as important as what you're doing on stage. So just things like that I find fascinating that I'm like, oh, right, right. You guys don't know that. You know, it's, I, I also just feel strongly that I remember what it was like being a kid and not understanding or trying to sing really hard, really like pushing down, trying to sing loud and, you know, all of those things. And one of the kids, uh, she's not a kid, she's in her mid-20s, said to me the other day, somebody just asked me, like, why I like you so much. And I was like, yeah, why do you? Yeah. <laughs> she goes, well, I kind of feel like, yeah, you're a voice teacher and a mentor and all those things. But 
you know, you really have taught me the sustainability of singing. Mm. And that, that I thought was interesting because that is, we, we know that that's the game. If you have no sustainability, you have no career, you have no, no chance. So it's, it's like I called Sarah and I was telling her about this and I said, I mean, is, th is there something else that we're supposed to teach? And she's like, no, it's exactly what we have to teach. It's what we know. It's what we do. It's what we've done. It's musical theater. We're not teaching pop. We're not teaching opera. We're teaching musical theater. It's a specific thing. And so, it speaking of musical theater, I want to go back to what I just mentioned, 110 in the Shade, 2003 yeah. Signature Theater, back in the garage. Um, uh, this yeah. was uh, 110 in the Shade is based off the Rainmaker, uh, played by um, oh, Nash, is it? Um, yeah. And you were playing Lizzie Curry, um, and we had Harry Winter as your father, Tom Simpson, Ugh. and I were your brothers. <laughs> Matt Bogart was Starbuck, and James Moy was File. Yeah. Um, what uh, you had worked with Eric previously on Big, correct? Yeah. Yep. So you already had some kind of um, knowledge, experience of working with Eric, but then. Uh, I remember it was like right after the Sondheim celebration. Uh, I think this was one of his first things he directed after that. And I think everyone who was involved with the Sondheim ce celebration was just 100% supercharged afterward. And, yeah. and also learned from each other, I think. Um, and I think that Eric attacked 110 in the Shade like incredibly well. I thought it was a beautifully uh, designed set. Um, the and having Jonathan Tunick there, oh God, to do the orchestrations and to work with us. Um, do, what what are some things that stand out in your memories of that production? Oh my gosh! Um, it, well, the first the the biggest thing I'm going to say, which is so bizarre, is just kind of a funny comment. I remember when Ben Brantley came and he reviewed the show. And he just he really loved the whole show. Um, I turned to Pete at that point and I was like, oh my God. So apparently I need to go to an old car garage in Washington, D.C. to get the best review from the biggest um, critic in my life. <laughs> <laughs> apparently. Which I, I just thought was so funny. Um, I think that uh, I do agree with you. I thought that um, he created a really great atmosphere. I think sometimes stars align like uh, with casting really well. And you're just really fortunate and lucky when that happens. I think that that show was like that. There was, yes. there was a, um, the family unit that we had didn't really feel like it took a lot to create it. And um, that was necessary. As by the same token, Matt and Jim were so great to work with that I didn't feel like it was really hard. It's also such a well-written show, such a great character, um, that once I started to really develop that, I um, 
I felt really free in it. But I will also say like, so that was 2003. So in two in the, in the very middle of 1999, I started losing my hair. And by the end of 99 is when I had like sprigs of hair and I shaved my head for the millennium. So when we, I had just, let's see, it was 2003. I had met Pete the, like six months before that. So I still was not like uh certainly not like I am now you know um but I was not really um perfectly okay with being bald and um I think that Lizzie was not hard for me to comprehend at the time my a friend of mine um ironically same guy who who named my company Scott Logston he came and he did a piece on me on the for the show. And he was saying to me, I don't understand. You're so pretty. Like, how could you possibly understand, you know, how this, how this girl feels? And I was like, Oh my God, that's so easy to answer. You know, it's, uh, you think I'm pretty like, let's talk about what I think, you know, it's it once getting involved in that character, once really figuring out like what everything has to do with, your own journey inside and how you feel and not really about how people perceive you because it, in the end, the people, how people perceive you doesn't really matter. It only matters what your brain is telling you, I think. So I was not like a happy camper in the sense of I'm so fine. I was still really trying to learn how to cope with not having my hair. And I feel like once I, once I got to the kernel of realizing that they don't say that Lizzie's not pretty, they just say that she's plain. And once I really started thinking of it, oh, wow, it's her, it's her that views herself as unworthy. It's her that views herself as not, not wanted, not worthy of the love. Like, oh, why would they want to be with me? That's so stupid. You know, that she's shutting it off. She's not inviting in the what she really wants. That's the greatest thing that Starbuck does for her. But I felt like during the, ironically, during the course of the show, my relationship with Pete was just really getting to go. And Pete could have given a rat's ass that I was bald. It, it was sort of the same thing was happening to me as at, at the same time where I was like, oh, wow, this, it's not, it's a non-starter. It doesn't really matter. I don't have to think that I'm weird or ugly or not attractive because I don't have hair, you know? And, and that is sort of, to me, what Lizzie goes through in the show, finding out that she has all this inside um, and she has a lot to offer is the best way that I can say it. But I would say that that was a huge thing for me at that time, at that point, um, going through that. And, and I don't even know, Stephen, if you guys really realized that, but that was like, you guys were just so awesome. You were the three of you, you and, um, Tom and, and Harry were so just, you know, supportive cast members that I don't know that, that, I don't know. What do you think? Did, did you, does that make sense? Well, I think that, of course, Tom and Harry and I knew each other already and worked together a lot um, and, you know, genuinely loved each other. Um, so we just added you in the mix and treated you the same way that we treat each other. 
and it was like instant family. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it was just a magical thing. Um, and it wasn't hard to act any of that because it was, it felt so on honest, you know? Totally agree. Well, I had a program. Yeah. You were in the audience. I, I was a program holder. Yep. <laughs> I saw that show. And I have to say, I mean, talking about you having master classes in your studio, I mean, Jackie, watching you, just just you, um, we've already talked to Matt Bogart, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, watching you on stage is a master class. I mean, you have such a, a openness and a authenticity to you. And you're never singing, you're never acting, you're never dancing because the technique is is not there to show. You are in that story. You are telling that story. It just happens that you're singing. It just happens that you're acting and it happens that you're dancing. But everything was so believable. And I think because in some ways, you know, Signature's Garage always gave off such a raw a rawness already. Totally. But I have to say to you, and I know I'm going to probably get shamed on social media, but I went and saw another production at Ford's Theater directed by Marsha Milgram Dodge. Milgram Dodge. And it was a whole different telling of the story. And literally, I could, I did not see the show. I did not see the show because I had this tattoo <laughs> of what had been imprinted on my heart from the signature production that I could not unsee. And oh, um, yeah. there was just a, such, a, such a connectedness to the cast, the set, the intimacy of that, and your performance as Lizzie was just incredible. And something else I held the program for was Matt's first show, Nevermore. Yay! A few years later, uh, you came back to do, to play the role of Elmira, to originate the role of Elmira in a show that's now been done like all over the world. Oh my um, God, that's trippy. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Uh, when anyone asks about Elmira, if people call or Skype or Zoom or whatever the kids are doing these days, um, <laughs> the, some, will, some will always bring up the, the uh, range of Elmira and I'll always say, hey guys, you have Jackie Perot Donovan to thank for that because I don't know if you remember this, but in rehearsal we were doing, um, I think it was silence maybe. And you looked straight at me. We were in tech, I think. And you said, Hey, can you like bump this up a third? <laughs> and of course I just kind of looked at Jenny and Jenny was like, Oh yeah, we can do that. Um, but yeah, it's been fun to, you know, uh, have people come. Whenever anyone calls or wants to do Nevermore, it's like the whole show kind of becomes this instant flashback of like, oh my gosh, Dan, oh my gosh. And then Jonathan Tunick orchestrated yeah. a little theme from 110 in the underscoring because he had done the orchestrations for 110. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, and he's so special. That was that was such a great show, man. I love that. Um, I God, I that was real. Dan was amazing. And talk about embracing your your baldness. I mean, oh, yeah. half of your head was bald and the other half had hair. It was a trippy, amazing look. Now, now you and Dan had just done Under the Bridge together kind of right before that, right? Yeah. Yes. That was 2004. And and didn't we do um, six? Yeah. Uh, six. Yeah. I was going to say it was after Seven Brides. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, I um, good luck with your studio. Do you have merchandise? 
Oh my God. You know what? I don't. And that's so a really good question because, okay. So I just hired a friend of mine to finally take over the social media because I can't deal with it. And she created a logo that I just put on like Crackbook, and um, she put it on all the other stuff. And I was just saying to her, like, God, how do I, how do I make a T-shirt? You know? <laughs> because I love the logo. It just says Broadway, and then underneath Pro Voice, and in between Broadway and Pro Voice is a, um, uh, uh, like a vocal line um, audio. Uh, what do you call that? It looks like uh, looks like audio from a recording. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it's called either, but it's one of those things. So it's really cool, but I was just thinking like, I need to, and I've been ragging on a lot of the kids that always forget water. And I'm like, I'm going to get a Broadway Pro Voice bottle and send it to you so that you have to have water when you sing. <laughs> and ball caps. Don't forget ball caps for between shows. To wear to rehearsal. Oh, yes. Yes. So I, I really do. I need to figure that out. Um, but yes, I think that we all have had amazing uh, experiences at Signature. And I, I love that. I will never forget those amazing times as well. When, when was the moment when you were growing up that you knew that you had and wanted to be in the arts? Did you just, were you just always that girl dancing yeah. around in the living room? Yep. I literally, I think my mom said it started when I was like four or five that I used to run around the house and I always had a really loud voice and I used to run around the house screaming that I was going to be an actress and that I was going to be on Broadway. And, you know, that was like, my goals were like listening to Ethel Merman and, or Barbara Streisand and, you know, that I just never wavered. I don't, I I think it's the one thing that I cannot appreciate with, with people when they struggle with what they're trying to do with their lives. I can, I'm, I mean, of course I can empathize, but I'm always like, wow, what, what does that feel like? Um, because I never wavered, went to school for it. And then, you know, immediately went to New York. I was incredibly aggressive. I booked Cosette in Les Mis from an open call that I sat there for five hours waiting to be seen. Um, and that just started my entire career. So I feel like that's something I tell the kids all the time. Like, can't, gotta keep going. Gotta say like, you said no? Oh, that's nice. Move over. <laughs> it's, it's just the way that it is. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's like, it's kind of like being in, what, what do they call it in sports? Like the long game? Yes. I don't know what they say in sports, but yeah, that yeah. sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when, when, with some of the students I teach, and we're always talking about this and that, you know, and people ask me, like, you know, um, how it is to be in theater and going from show to show to show. And, you know, when they ask for my advice, I say, well, do you want to be a Judy Dench? <gasps> yeah. Because we're, we're, if you want to be a long gamer, you've got to have a, a very steady, athletic uh, purpose. Um, you almost kind of always still have to always have to be a teacher and a student kind of at the same time. I totally agree with you, man. Because things are kind of always changing a little bit, you know? Yep. yep. Um, have you performed in the Winter Garden? I have not. I've, I've performed at the Imperial at the Broadway. 
that's those are the two that I've performed at. And I did Saigon at the Broadway. I did Les Mis at the Broadway. I did Les Mis at the Imperial. I've well, not... the only reason I was asking was because in my Follies book that I was reading, it said that the Winter Garden used to be a, like a, a, a place of a stables for horses. Oh, yeah. The other thing that's really cool. Um, gosh, I wish Pete wasn't working right now. Um, oh, my God. I can't remember which. It might be above the Belasco Theater. Um, there's a like a, some kind of a, a slide door and there's like an apartment of where one of the producers, God, who was it that used to live up there? Like, it's really fascinating. And it, I think it's still there. Wow. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's a place that's so ironic. There's a place called the Masonic Temple. It's in Detroit and we played Miss Saigon there. That place like you could get lost in it. It's got a humongous theater, but then you could still get lost. Like I, I was walking around with, I don't know, somebody from the cast and we found a pool, an empty, huge pool. And I was like, what is going on? Wow. <laughs> it's, it's like how they used to build things, you know? And I think a lot of the, um, a lot of the Broadway theaters have really interesting things in them. They're old, old houses, you know? They've been around a long time. Yeah, know? yeah. Hey, Jackie, um, do you still kind of geek out a little bit when, uh, when like, uh, I know we geek out occasionally, like, you know, we're watching um, The Gilded, Gilded Age. Age and we're oh, seeing, yeah. You know, seeing a few folks that we kind of know or know of and whatnot. And uh, yeah. we saw um, Buyer and seller oh yeah with michael urie that was during the pandemic which was fun because we would we would never have seen that otherwise you know <laughs> yes i love it what was things what were some things that you've been up to the last two years just to kind of occupy your creativity oh my besides God. the studio i would say the biggest thing was the studio but we pete and i we gutted the basement and waterproofed it with an inch of its life and redid it painted and I mean did a whole mess down there because we knew that we wanted to finish the rest of the house and we needed somewhere to be able to go to but that I find that kind of thing incredibly creative um it's it's that um there's lots of problems that come up and you have to come up with solutions Wait. and that that sort of thing I feel like theater is full of which I don't think that people really understand that it is it's you know, when, when I'm on stage and, um, you know, everything is crashing into each other behind me, I, it's that kind of idea. Like, how does your mind work? How do you, how do you do something really quickly to get yourself out of the situation? I always tell everybody, you go all the way down on zero in front of the conductor and you just keep singing right. and let them, let them fix what's going on behind you. Yeah. But, um, I feel like, that was super creative. I, like I said, I was teaching so much and trying so hard, taking so much of my time to build teaching, you know, to build that whole thing um, that, and trying to figure out how to become better at it. That, and I find that to be very creative, but I would say more than anything, it's my house, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, and now what's kind of ironically funny is I just turned 57 and I'm like, you know what? With the house, I want it to be done. And I want to just like go to the gym and teach and try to like just be calm. Every 
I feel like I'm definitely getting, I don't know, calmer, but I think the strangest thing that's probably happened to me over the pandemic is I am not feeling the need like so many of my friends, like, oh my God, I need a live audience. I need people in front of me and I, I need to sing in front of people. I, I'm not feeling like that. And I feel a responsibility to the kids that I teach. And like somebody in Florida just asked me, well, a couple of months ago, asked me to do Gypsy again to play Mama Rose. And I was like, I, I won't be able to, it was like two months. I said, I won't be able to do that. I, I can't walk away from teaching that long. So I feel now like I uh, probably have crossed over, you know, like um, life and the kids, then the kids, um, their careers are almost more important to me now, which I never thought I would say. Well, me and Stevie just got nominated for an award in, in Bethesda. What? Um, that will probably come out you know, after, after this, before this comes out, this podcast. But anyways, it, not about the award, but we're, we're, it came out and we were like, oh my God, you have to drive to Bethesda? <laughs> it feels like we're driving to, you know, Maine. Can we take the dogs? Oh God. I mean, it's like, we're not that old man, but it's, um, it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's super weird how I can feel my body and my life sort of transitioning. And I mean, I think that that's okay. Like I, I you know, I just turned, turned down an audition to, you know, they kept asking, they probably asked four times for a show that's going to be regional and then it's going to come into New York. And that's when I finally said to Pete, okay, if I'm saying no to this, like I, I must not want to perform anymore. I just, not that I don't want to, I just truly feel a responsibility to the mentoring that I'm doing. And, yeah. and also like, I'm like this one of the, these kids I have is he's in Orlando, multi stupidly talented 17 year old. And I got my butt up at 8am a number of times to warm him up for his college auditions. Like, would I do that for everybody? No, but I was just so invested in, in him doing the very best he possibly could. And the way that I keep describing it to people is like, I had a great time. I, I had a great career and, and who knows, maybe I'll still perform, but, but I had a great time and I want to see these kids dreams come true. And yeah. I want to, I want to see, and I literally, Oh Matt, you're going to love this. I literally said to Pete about two months ago, I was all of a sudden I turned around and I was like, Oh my God, I realize how I'm going to be on the Tonys. And he was like, what? I said, I'm not going to be on the Tonys. One of my kids is going to be on the Tonys. Right. That <laughs> made me cry. <laughs> yeah. Well, at some point, I think we all kind of, um, not that we're trying to prove something, but it feels like we have something to prove. And somehow there's a shift in changing that word prove into something to share. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And, you know, I always tell my kids back to your basement. I mean, I always tell all the kids I'm teaching, the arts is the only subject that combines all subjects. Oh, that's so true. So if you're in the arts, you are learning to uh, problem solve everything that you possibly are going to encounter. Me and Steven still, 
you know, we're still married because we're creative. And whenever there's a problem, we think, oh, okay, so here's the problem. How right. do we, let's see, what do we do? Right. We've only got I mean, one chair to do this scene. <laughs> I I always think that everybody thinks that way. And I, I realize that they don't, you know, it's, it's, um, I just, I find that fascinating because I, I think you're right though. I don't think there is something that I can think of that requires you. I mean, there's a military feeling to it where I'm not joking when you're on stage and you're in a big show and shit is flying, you are uh, definitely in danger of getting hurt, drastically hurt, you know? So that having that like eyes all around your head as you're simultaneously keeping the show going, if you're a lead, that's what your job is. So it's, it's, there's, you are taking in a lot of data and trying to figure out how to best keep yourself going and keep yourself and everybody else around you safe. Like the amount of times I pushed people out of the way in secret garden, they, we had these huge things that came in and they used to smash in the floor. The guys, it's called overhauling on the rail. They used to overhaul them all the time and they would bring them in too far. They would smash on the floor and um, they were huge um, frames that we would stand behind as the ghosts. But the amount of times I would like toss an actor upstage because it was coming in, it was about to crack him in the head. It's it, that kind of a thing. But that I find it really cool. Really yeah. cool. Um, I love that you're teaching. You know, during the pandemic, like everybody else, um, I started teaching a class in cultivating creativity that was just nothing but an hour for adults to basically do creative things. Oh, God, that's so cool. I had 35 piano students. Oh my God, no. <laughs> I was teaching two acting classes. I had a Zoom, I had a Zoom TV class. Oh, that's so cool. Um, and I actually learned to teach the piano on Zoom well enough that I would say about 85 of my 85% of my kids do not want to come back in person. Oh wow. How? Yeah, that I love that, by the way. How um how do you, God, how do you do that? I guess if they have their piano and you're on your piano. I'm actually taking the lesson with them. Oh, that's so, cool. So here's my tricks I use. If anybody's listening and Jackie wants to steal anything that she can for, uh, for her studio, I put myself on mute when I want to hear what they're doing and I don't want them to hear me. I have a separate Zoom account on my phone and I hang my phone from my necklace so then they can see my face and my hands on the keyboard at the same time. Oh, that's genius, Matt. <laughs> then if they are having issues with anything, I highlight my necklace on my phone, my phone and my necklace, and I videotape it. And at the end of the day, I send it to the mom and say, hey, here's the homework if they want to take a look at this. Oh, um, that's, that's awesome. The two black keys together are now called Uno and Dos, and the three black keys together are the French on da trois. <laughs> and so if I need to correct their sharps or flats, if I say one or two or three in Spanish or French, they know exactly which one I'm talking about without me having to go further. Oh God, that is so awesome. <laughs> So, um, you know, at one point, Stephen was like, you should write your own piano, like, lesson book. About yes. It. But um, 
it's been interesting. I become I have become a better teacher. Yeah. And you know, I get to drink coffee with my pugs and teach piano. Yeah. I mean, I honestly I have gotten so good at where I can teach that uh, we just went to Park City and I'm not, a, you know, I still fall down the mountain snowboarding and he, we brought some people with us and I was like, well, you guys go, I'm still going to teach and that's fine. And they were like, what? And I'm like, no, 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 it's totally fine. So I went upstairs, we had a duplex. I went upstairs, I set up by the window so I could look at the mountain and then um, I had my laptop and I have a roll up piano that fits in a tiny I mean, really small backpack. Wow. Pulled it, out, pulled it out. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good to go. Get wow. online, you know, and I can teach anywhere. And that's also one of the things I really love about it is being able to like, I just, I didn't disrupt my schedule that badly. I moved some stuff around, but, um, you know, the role of piano, because really all I'm doing is like, I'm just giving them notes to sing i'm not doing a lot like what you would be doing um right. and yeah. the role of piano is just fine you know but it gives me all the keys and, uh, and i don't really need anything else i um, i tested myself with three experimental students knowing that they were going to be experimental in person back in december and one student in january two of them ended up quitting and one student went right back into zoom because literally during the lesson all i did was cower behind them like i was donald trump debating hillary oh my god that was awful yeah <laughs> i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> I, like all i did was walk around in the back and i, I felt so disconnected from the lesson because yeah. i'm you know i'm now present yeah um anyway we yeah. we 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 could have talked about a million things we, we we didn't talk about the witches of the eastwick oh my god the witches of eastwick i completely forgot about that show yes but, but we love you so much we're so happy to hear your voice we're so happy about your studio if you get ball hats steven is gonna buy one okay <laughs> absolutely because steven oh, makes guys, more money I, than me i love you <laughs> i love you guys so much I just, I really miss you and I miss the DC area people, you know? We'll, we'll have to come see you sometime because oh, I know God. that you're not going to leave your students come down here. <laughs> well, I can, I can put them in my backpack. That's right. Yeah. I think, I think we're trying to learn the things we want to keep from our past so we can go forward with those things and maybe not take the things with us that we weren't supposed to or, or didn't want. Yeah, I, I totally, I completely understand that. And furthermore, if you do come, we're not that far from the city. Um, and we just renovated the two bedrooms and the bathroom upstairs. So you are more than welcome to come and stay here. We don't need the city. We just need a box of wine. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll stay up and watch the city on TV. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, friend. We love yeah. you, Jackie. I love you guys. Thanks so much. Yeah. Talk we'll to talk you soon. soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for catching up with us, Jackie. We love you. Um, oh. Yeah. Elmira. Yeah. Mr. Poe. 
Yes. Was I not Edgar to you once? Blackberry Jam. Blackberry. There is a two-fold silence. Anyway, thank you so much, Jackie. It was so great uh, to catch up. Absolutely. We adore you. And we hope to talk to you soon. You're a keeper. Send love to Pete. Yeah, love to Pete. Uh, if you want to learn more about us, you can visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an ER. You can find us on Facebook and TikTok under Connor and Smith, again with an ER. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us out a lot. And uh, it's again with an ER, if I didn't say that before. Our producer's being helpful. Um... And, and yeah, share this wherever you share things. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're on the precipice of wrapping up season four and starting a whole new season uh, where we talk to our alumni from Shenandoah University. Um, Steven has a catchy little, um, what's it called? Season five, Back to the Hive. Season five, Back to the Hive. Season four, Did You Want More? So, <laughs> wait. No, no, that, that sounded kind of bad. That kind of questioned the authenticity. <laughs> right, like, hey, season four worse. No more Did beer. you want more worse? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so so watch for all that coming up soon, and we will uh, talk to you tomorrow. Ciao. That's goodbye in Italian, I think.